1: My guest today on the A-Game Podcast is Alicia Jarrett. She is calling from Melbourne, Australia, and she runs an entirely virtual team and business, flipping land, selling properties all over the country, specifically in the Florida market. So she goes into a ton of different things on A, how she is doing that, and B, how she decided to do that. What got her into real estate? Why did she decide on U.S. real estate? How did she then pick where she wanted to invest from the state to the village, to the city, to all those different things that go into those key points and metrics. So I think it's really interesting because people are scared to remotely invest from all over the country, whether it's next door to them, different county, different side of town, different zip code, and she's doing it from all the way across the world. And I think the decision-making is a really important piece of what factors she really dives into to break down where to go and where not to go. And that process, I think, is a good practice for everybody who listens to this to really just figure out how to make macro decisions and then turn those into micro decisions And how to then measure those decisions after you make them to see what tracks you're on and what tracks are wrong because even when you pick the right city and state then where do you go within them do you want to make a left do you want to make a right how do you get to exactly where you want to go and then how do you know when it's time to leave so all the discussions we have during this i think are excellent for investors of all shapes and sizes whether you're starting out whether you're international whether you're domestic whether you're doing land flipping multifamily whatever it may be. I think this is an excellent episode for business people, entrepreneurs and real estate investors to get used to hearing all the things for decision-making to overcoming analysis paralysis, to working with partners and to how to build your teams, how to keep your teams accountable, how to create a good core value work environment to keep people honest, have them be able to take the feedback without feeling defensive, how to create an open work environment, how to teach them how to make the right and wrong decisions and all the different things that go into being a successful business a successful entrepreneurship, from starting from your basic three-day class, like most of us get into seeing something on the paper, clicking on an Instagram ad, going into a two-hour thing, going to a three-hour thing. And why do some people go to those and say, this is a scam, you wasted your time and money, and other people create a multimillion-dollar business and lifestyle from it? All great points to ponder during this excellent episode. I thought she was so easy to talk to. I was blown away at how fast the hour went by. And there was a hundred other things we could have talked about, which I'm definitely going to bring her back on. And I talked to her about utilizing some of her services for my own business. And I think her and I are going to make a ton of money flipping lands together in and around the Florida area, as well as some of the other markets that we're in. So thank you so much for coming on. Alicia Jarrett, definitely find her in her business and all the notes on ways to find her and to work with her and to connect with her on the show notes And as always, this podcast is sponsored by Nationwide Business Capital Group. Go to nicknicknick.com slash links, and you will see all the ways under our affiliates tab to connect with Marianne and tell her the A-game podcast sent me, I want some money for my real estate deals. She will help you get the most competitive rates and terms for all deals, shapes, and sizes all over the country, whether it's rentals, land, fix and flips, development deals, construction loans, refinances for some of the easiest and cheapest money you can find out there. Contact Marianne Marianne at Nationwide Business Capital Group through nicknicknick.com slash links. There's some other affiliates on there as well. When you guys are there, check out Bob at Reva Global for your virtual assistance. Check out Zachary Bobcock to get your podcast going. Of course, Put promo code AGAME for 20% off any and all CBD products at Naked Warrior Recovery CBD. Last but certainly not least, go to nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets for your free checklist on how to bring more values to your buyers as a real estate wholesaler, real estate agent, or real estate broker. Totally free, nicknicknick.com slash biggerpockets. And again, on nicknicknick.com slash links, you'll see all the ways to connect with us, all the ways to subscribe to this podcast. Please, subscribe to the podcast, leave feedback, leave reviews through iTunes, and comment on our social media stuff. Go on Instagram, like that, follow us, all those things. It really, really helps me get the podcast out. And of course, the big goal here is that I want to do real estate together. So if you want to buy properties from me, if you want to sell properties to me, or if you just want to find a way that we can start to work together, and you're not even really sure how, the most direct way to get in touch with me for your first deal or for your next deal is Nick, text me. 516 540 5733. Again, for your first deal or for your next deal, text Nick, who is me, at 516 540 5733. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for supporting the podcast. Thank you so much, Alicia Jarrett, for connecting with me and coming on. And I look forward to hearing more from you. I had a great time. Thank you guys for listening. I think you're going to love this one. A Game Podcast. All right. My guest today on the A-game podcast is a real estate investor and educator. She is a 15-year entrepreneur, business owner, and leadership expert. She's a master in assembling and training teams and helps business owners and investors to achieve the highest possible performance, even at some of the most opportune times. She now helps educators and entrepreneurs to increase performance and inspire growth and accountability using proven rock solid methods she has founded. She's a business owner of Landscouts.com, SuperchargeOffers.com, and Global Citizens HQ, and she invests and runs her business entirely remotely from Australia to Florida and over the U.S., specializing in buying discounted land and selling it for profits in various ways. She brings a ton of great information for you, always brings her A-game, and she's very welcome to this podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. Alicia
0: Jarrett.
2: Ah, uh, Nick, thank you. And thank you for getting my name right. But it's so funny because I'm listening to you and I'm like, who is that person?
1: <laughs> uh, you have a you have a very impressive background, so much so that we actually had to cut it down a little bit before you even got started because you had so many different things we can touch on. So oh, I love so the ready. entrepreneurial spirit. I love that you're doing this all over the world, which is even more impressive because some people don't even think they can invest out of in their own like neighborhood. So I know, right? It's really incredible. We're here stuff.
2: to dispel the myth today, Nick. So uh, I'm, I'm super <laughs> excited. There's lots of things I can dispel the myth on.
1: <laughs> yeah, Well, I appreciate it. I know you're calling mm-hmm. all the right way from Australia, and it's very early where you are. It's the end of my day here. So my brain started to shut down a little bit there, but we are back on track. I'm ready to go. And for people who are not 100% familiar with your background as of yet, can you give a quick 30,000 foot view?
2: Yeah, sure. Oh, 30,000 foot view. Okay. I have a background in leadership development, consulting, team development. Human resources. Back in the day when I was doing a, a job, a job which is what I called just over broke, because um, it doesn't matter how much you earn, you spend with what you earn. <laughs> and uh, and then the thirty thousand foot view from there, Nick, is started to get into my own business. Uh, you know, somewhere between ten to fifteen years ago, getting my consulting practice up and going. And then about five years ago, my partner Matt and I we we're very um nomadic in our dna which means we love to travel and experience the world and do a whole bunch of things and you know, life is for living and we said you know we really need to get to the stage that we can run a business from anywhere in the world as long as we have a laptop and a phone and so we started to investigate some different mediums and and business opportunities for that nick and we both love r- real estate and everything that real estate has to offer um, we were doing real estate here in Australia and then we came across the US and how things are done just that, that little bit differently. We're well, not a little bit differently, a lot differently. And so we started doing real estate in the US about five years ago um, with some fix and flips. We then moved into land. Fast forward to today, we've now got a, a very successful land business with a team of three full-time customer service people in that, that I hardly even touch anymore. It just kind of runs itself. A, a real estate marketing business um, that we've got. Uh, that's really again. This is all based in the U.S. A data business, uh, and we're about to launch another product uh, that's an app to help people in the in this uh, world as well, as well as doing some local stuff here in Australia. So it's super exciting. We are very focused on you know building businesses that allow you to live the life that you want to live. Even though we work hard, it's uh, it doesn't mean that we don't also plan out goals and play hard too. So it's it's a super exciting life we're living, Nick. And I'm Phil. Very happy, and very privileged to live it. It's sometimes I wake up each morning and pinch myself. But
1: <laughs> I think that's amazing. You know, as we were talking about earlier, everything kind of happens for a reason. So where you've wound up, the life that you've created—it's it's all a—it's all a series of decisions that you made to get to that point. I always love to yeah. hear how that travel started. So I I heard a little bit about that, but initially you started out doing the fix and flip started out and not really looking for real estate in the United States. So what was it about real estate initially that that got you started? What was the first thing that made you say real estate's where we might want to focus our our energy?
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess we we already had a couple of investment properties here in Australia and and we loved it. We love the whole concept of affordable housing for people, giving people a home, making a return on that, you know, real estate for hundreds and hundreds of years, real estate's been a good, solid investment. You don't really need to speculate too much about real estate. It's a good business model. It's a good, solid investment. Um, So we loved real estate, and we were doing some projects here in Australia. We were actually in the process of doing some fix and flips here um, when the opportunity came up to just explore what the US was all about. And how that happened, Nick, funnily enough, um, for people listening, they might get a bit of a giggle out of this, but I'm one of these people, because I do speaking for a living as well, and I do my training and facilitation and, and keynote speaking, I love going and watching other people speak. So I went along to a, what I would call, so i got something in my eye, what I would call a speakathon, which is all these people from around the world that were coming and talking about their businesses. And a lot of them had programs attached to what they were doing. And one person in particular, this is going back, you know, just over five years ago now, right in the midst of when HGTV and Chip and Joanna Gaines were talking about, you can do anything with fix and flips. Come and do this fix and flip thing. And we uh, we listened to somebody and and I was watching on this person on stage and getting really inspired by what they were doing with the property market in the US. But more so, I was getting inspired about how they were going in after the the, the housing crash bubble um and helping communities that banks had walked away from and helping to you know not only gentrify a community but get people back into homes and that really struck a chord with me so i came home that night and i said to my partner matt i've signed us up to do a a course on real estate in the us and he's like you've done what (laughs) so then here we were you know fast forward about a month from there and we were going along to this course and my partner matt who is is wonderful but he's very he comes at things from a healthy skepticism and wants to look at the evidence and and the data and all of that. And he said, look, I'll come along and do this three-day course with you. But if I get to lunchtime on day one, and this is not floating my boat is a term that we use here in Australia. If this is not kind of, if it's not my jam, I'm out of there. And I was like, okay, done. So we get to lunchtime on day one and I I turned to him and I was like, what do you think? And his eyes just lit up. And he, he just said to me, I think we're onto something here. There's so much that we can do that is so different to how we do real estate here in Australia. But a lot of what we can do, we can literally do from anywhere in the world because data drives everything. And the amount of data that you've got in the US to be able to run your business is phenomenal. Um, And it just went from there, Nick. So doing those first couple of houses, which we loved, and then continuing on to do some more houses. But then we we sort of stumbled across the, the land space Not by accident. It it was intentional because getting houses off market for a great deal, having the right contract team in place, getting the right return from that, that property and managing all of that from the other side of the world is challenging. And right at that time when everybody wanted to get into single family housing, that was the time that we decided to get out of single family housing because it was difficult to get a house, keep a contract team, all of that. So when we were doing research about different asset classes, that's when we came across land
1: and we haven't looked back. I think that that's incredible. And again, there's, there's so many different things we can take. Every time I ask somebody about their background, it cues like a whole of the three podcasts <laughs> we can do that specific thing. But we
2: can do three, Nick, <laughs> I'm fine with that. <laughs> I'll
1: definitely have you back. And you know, one of the, one of the key things you were was data. And it's interesting because at this point, I always consider myself someone who invests in real estate and I'm analyzing deals. And now that you see the amount of stuff that's there online, it really does become just what's the most efficient way for me to get the most amount of data. And the more data I can get, the better decisions I can make. And when you Correct. take the emotional side out of that and you realize that I'm just looking at a bunch of information, it, it really helps expand everything and take a lot of the myths and the fears and all the different things that people worry about. you know. And I think especially one of the things we're gonna go into is analyzing markets and analyzing that data and, and the pros and cons of that. But another interesting point that I'm sure everybody's been at at one point is taking courses. And you know, I've, I've taken so many courses, I'm going to continue to probably take courses my whole life. I've taught all different courses, I've been a student, I've been a teacher, I've done all those different things. And I always think it's interesting, because the people that are experienced, they'll always invest in themselves. They'll always look into hiring people for shortcuts and safety nets. But all the people that start out, they have so many people in their life, like you said, that are like, well, I might go check this out. But this is going to be a bunch of crap. And it's going to be a scam. And I don't know what it is. But it allures everybody. And almost everybody I know that started out at some point has started out with some newspaper thing or some infomercial or some course, and they're taking the same information. And there's somebody that sits right next to them for that same exact class and says, it's a scam and goes home and does nothing. And then there's somebody like you and I and a million other people, you know, that sit in that same exact room and they create a lifetime of real estate and entrepreneurship and businesses from it. So yep. what what do you think it is being that somebody that's been on both sides of that for oh. just the successes and failures of somebody who's gone through courses like that? Why some people take it and run and other people just take it and, and kind of throw it away the second they walk out the door.
2: Great question, Nick. And and we could do an entire episode on this, mm-hmm. but but let's just pull it back to the data of that for one second. I don't know if you're aware and for anybody listening, but the average, and I'm talking the average here, I'm not talking the, 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 the highest, um, but uh, you know, the average amount of, of people that ever take a course and go and do something with it and succeed is 5%, 5%, which means there's a whole bunch of people out there spending their life savings on courses, coaching, mentorship, and still not doing anything with it. And that I get really passionate about, as does my partner, Matt, because we spent a lot to, to get to where we are. We invested in ourselves and our knowledge, um, in some coaching, a whole range of things. Uh, and I'm a big fan of investing in yourself and, and in your, your craft uh, of what it is you want to do. What I'm not a big fan of is the fear of failure, is the paralysis of analysis, is letting the, the failure to launch hold you back from doing anything. Now, what I think, coming back to your question, that the distinctive difference between those that do and those that don't is simply that word do. And if I think back to when we did our first course and we bought our first property, we didn't overanalyze it we kind of went, you know what? High level, things check out, let's go for it because this needs to be a learning experience. And the way that adults learn best is not by going along to a seminar and and listening, it's by implementing and doing. The majority of what we now know in our business, we have learned along the way from just talking to people, talking to sellers, talking to buyers, investigating properties, unpacking a deal. Most of our learning's been on the job and it's the same for most entrepreneurs that I know yes, education is wonderful and it might give you the kickstart on where to look at and where to start with things and maybe give you the confidence to go and give something a go. But unless you're willing to put one foot in front of the other and take that first step, you're never going to get anywhere.
1: I love that. And you bring up a side point of that as well, as far as the accountability piece that most people think they don't need, that I think is absolutely huge for, for a number of reasons. One of them being, if it's just about having the information, I always tell people, look, Everybody knows that fast food is bad for you. Meanwhile, everybody's eating fast food every day. The drive through lines right? are packed, and everybody doesn't have a six pack and is in the best shape ever and so healthy. So it's, it, it isn't about that. It is about doing something with it and having somebody hold your feet to the fire, hug you when you need to hug, talk you off the ledge and kick your butt a little bit for you. It seems like you guys are very, very much, at least you, the self-starter side of that. Did you have any sort of accountability coaches like that along the way that made sure you didn't waste your money and you were using your time and your resources?
2: Yeah, so when we when we started on um, our, not so much when we were doing the houses, we, we actually had a really good realtor on our team that was an awesome partner that wasn't so much an accountability partner, but just to help to fill those gaps and, and lift our confidence level in, hey guys, this is a really good one, let's go for it and here's why. So I think having an accountability person is great, but having someone on your team, as you mentioned, you know, to lean over and give you that hug when you need it, that hug can come in a number of forms, whether it's, Confidence building, reassurance, um, you know, taking the leap of faith, all that stuff, which is really good. But accountability, I couldn't agree with you more. Accountability is where, it, where it's at. And I think it all starts with accountability to self, because we all know that the, the, the most people that we let down in our lifetime is actually ourselves. If we say we're going to do something, I call it the Dwizzywid factor, which is do what you say you will do. That's my biggest acronym, Dwizzywid, do what you say you will do when we do what we say we're going to do, it feels good. And it propels us forward. When we don't do what we say we're going to do, there's there's a tremendous amount of shame that comes with that. And for anyone that's listened to anything on Brene Brown about shame, you know, we shame ourselves more than what other people tend to shame us. So it's an interesting concept that slows people down or stops them in their tracks instantly when they say to their friends and family, I'm going to go do this. And then they don't. They tend to then either put their head in the sand or put that whole thing in a box and pack it away in the cupboard and never, never talk about it again. But that, that shame can also be a driver, right? If I say I'm going to do something and I don't, well is that a catalyst for me to go and get help? And coming back to your original question around, did we have help? We didn't so much when we were doing the fix and flips for houses, but when we got into land, we did, we hired a coach. Um, Shout out to our coach. If you're ever listening to this, (laughs) he's awesome, but he was with us for those first few deals And it was just someone who could hold our hand. um, We could bounce ideas off and someone to hold us accountable. Now, here's the thing around accountability. He could say to us a hundred times, go and make that phone call, go and run those comps, go and do that CMA, go and do this, go and do that. If we don't, that's still on us. So we can't put it back to our coach and go, didn't have time, didn't do this. You know, can come up with a million one excuses, but we're all here for the same 24 hours a day We're all here for the same opportunity. So I think accountability really starts with putting up the mirror. It's literally putting that mirror in front of you every day and going, what am I gonna do today that I made a promise to do? And if I don't, at the end of the day, look back in that mirror and go, well, why didn't you? Um, Your coach and people that are there to drive accountability, that's awesome, but don't pay someone to kick your butt if you're not willing to kick your butt yourself. I'll jump I, off my, my pedestal now with that because I can go on to that for ages, Nick.
1: <laughs> no, I can, I can see both sides of that though, but sometimes I feel like that's where it actually does come in. And if somebody knows that they stink a kick in their own butt, you need somebody to come in and do that. If you stink it gave yourself a hug, you're always on yourself. Sometimes you need that opposite person to come in and play that yin and yang yeah. as well. So I could see a time and a place for both sides of that.
2: Definitely. Yeah, definitely.
1: On that same side there, you talk about making sure you're doing the things that you said you were going to do that day, which again, I think that self-accountability just in life is a good thing to practice. Yeah. For you, when you're pl- trying to plan out your day, plan out your week and have those daily goals, how are you setting those? Are you writing them? How many are you doing? Like, I love the structure side for how you're attacking each day and each week.
2: Yep. Yep. Um, I do write them down. And so we, we have some macro goals in our business that that both Matt and I have for each of our businesses around each quarter. What are we aiming to achieve? And those goals are set through two different lenses. One, what are the results that we want to do to grow our business? But two, what are the efficiencies that we need to put in place to make our business better? Because there's a certain balance there of working on your business and in your business, um, and and that balance is really important if you're especially in a growth phase. Secondary to that is when we're doing those those goals, we then chunk out blocks of time to work on things, and uh, and we we actually on a weekly basis, we have a good couple of hours blocked out where we just work on strategy. We're just, okay, where are we up to with that? Where are things happening? Has something not happened? If if why, what what do we need to look at with that and put in place instead? So goal setting for us is a pretty regular thing, but then it comes down to the doing, because I think you can talk about goals and write them on post-it notes and do a whole bunch of stuff. Unless you allocate time to put one step forward and do the stuff that needs to be done for that goal, it's just going to be a nice post-it note on your computer. Uh, So the the thing that we do on a a weekly basis is make sure that we've got our priorities for the week and there's at least time blocked out to focus on those priorities and move things forward. Um, And we report on that too, you know, how's that tracking? What does that look like? Secondary to that is on a daily basis because I think it's it's awesome to, and everyone's going to be different in how they approach this as well, Nick, it's awesome to focus on your business and, and as well as that, your team, um, but the focus on self never should go away. So I've got to focus that at least four times a week I'm at the gym. and my lunchtime is my gym time. That's me to have my brain switch off time and you know go and do do the me stuff. Um, make sure that we've got some some boundaries and some um, parameters, if you like, around when is work time and when's off time. And we don't have a huge amount of off time, but when we do, we make sure that we're enjoying it and that we're doing something for ourselves that rejuvenates because, you know, being an entrepreneur and um, having all these businesses is wonderful, but you've got to look after yourself in that process too. And that should
0: be part of your goals as well. If you have been kicking yourself that you didn't start investing in real estate sooner, whether you're beginner, intermediate, or advanced, any way you're looking to get in on a residential, commercial, land development, wholesale, and fix and foots, whatever it is, let's find a way to get you involved in some projects, get you some properties, whether you want to sell some properties to me whether you want to buy some properties from me, whether residential, fix and flip, cash flow, multifamily, whatever it is you're looking for, let's figure out a way to get you involved or find a way for us to partner up on some deals. Go to www.nicknicknick.com. Go on the consultation tab and figure out how to schedule an appointment to talk about where you fit in if you are not sure, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media channels, if you go on www.nicknick.com slash links, you will see all the different ways to connect with me and figure out how we can start to work together, make it happen. Everybody that invests in real estate always just says they wish they did it sooner. Best time to start is today. I love
1: that. You got to work hard and play hard, right? Enjoy that. Yep. That's awesome stuff. Absolutely. You know, you, on the business side of stuff, too, one of the things you touched on was uh, making decisions. and. The whole analysis paralysis, people tend to under, overanalyze a lot of things. And I've noticed more and more people, I have this discussion every single day in my personal and professional life, that I'm amazed how many people float through life unable to make a decision and unaware that they're unable to make a decision. So I'm so huge on that, of always making sure people understand what you think you're doing, you're not. You're just putting it off the inevitable so you either don't have to make a decision or you put it on somebody else's lap and then you can criticize them if they're right or wrong. So for you guys- With all this stuff that's coming in and all the people that you're helping with on a daily basis, what are some decision-making skills that you have learned or teach along the way to help people get over that analysis paralysis?
2: Oh, great, great question. So my first thing is coming back to data. So with um, with uh, let's take our real estate marketing business as an example. So supercharged offers. With our customers, so we we basically provide, Nick, a, an end-to-end business-in-a-box solution that covers all of their their data, their their marketing, their branding, the content for their website, website build, direct mail, online ads, everything up until the point that a lead comes through from all of those marketing efforts. Now, that's awesome and I love serving our customers and helping them to grow their business, but the one thing we do not do in there is tell you what asset class to do and where to uh, focus on in that asset class. The customer still needs to decide that. What I can do, though, is help them with data to overcome those you know, paralysis of analysis decisions. Um, we, we say over here paralysis of analysis. I think you guys say analysis of paralysis. <laughs> I, can't, yeah. I never work out which way it goes. But, um, but uh, I think using data to help drive a decision, because there's two ways that humans make decisions, the rational and the emotional And often those people that struggle with making decisions, and and to be honest, I can be one of these at times, is I'm stuck in the emotional. Does it feel right? Am I making the right decision? Is this going to be okay? All of that stuff. When we then overlay the rational, which is, what's the data I'm looking at? What does the market tell me? What does my buyer network tell me? What does my seller network tell me? If I'm using data to help drive a decision, it helps to lower that emotion around stuff as well. So that's one thing that in our, our marketing business, we really help our customers with is, Make sure you're looking at the right data to inform you of what's happening in that market and what you really need to observe to make sure that you're comfortable with the decision you're making. And it comes with the caveat. A decision does not have to mean perfection. A decision means you're moving forward to give something a go to then measure is it working or not working. And in that, in itself, Nick, inherent in that is more decisions. Because if you're going after an asset class and a – an area of the market that you've never done before, you've got the data, you make a decision, you go for it. But then partway through that, that marketing and, and looking at that um, that area and how it's performing is what's your return rate, what's your conversion rate, are you getting deals, what are those deals worth, are you turning them around? All of that stuff still comes into play. Where if it's working, the decision is how do you turn up the volume. If it's not working, is that if it's not working, the decision becomes do I exit that market and look at a different one or do I go after a different type of you know, customer within that market? So the decision never stops. You should always keep those decisions moving forward because just to make a decision doesn't mean that that's done. So the decision um, tactics that I always use with our customers to your question is one, always use data to help you with your decisions. Two, have a follow-up point from your decision so that you know if you're on track or not.
1: That is one of the best answers I've ever had to that question. <laughs> I really appreciate that. That makes so much sense in so many different ways. And I'm sure a lot of people Good. Are going, yes, that's exactly what I was pointing. I was like, you just nailed that. That was awesome. <laughs> so touching on, on actually data and markets and all that stuff, you came in from Australia and decided I have the entire world to invest in. Then I decided I have the entire United States to invest in and then landed initially on Florida and then even landed initially on the micro market of Jacksonville. So I would love to hear a little bit about the analysis that you put into your market research and what makes a market good or bad for what you're investing in?
2: Yeah. Love that. Such a good question. So first of all, for anybody listening who feels like doing real estate outside of their county or even in another state, heck yes, you can do that because we're doing this from the other side of the world in a totally different time zone. Um, And where we started, Nick, so to come back to the macro, where in the world did we want to do stuff? Again, that decision was based upon data. For anybody listening, thinking that they're a little bit hard done by with um, doing real estate in the US, let me tell you, you are not. The US is numero uno when it comes to the amount of data you can find about the property, the owner, the history of the the, the property itself, um, the county, the the area, the market. There is literally data available about anything and everyone. In Australia, we're lucky to get a tenth of the data that that you guys get there because we've got too many privacy laws, restriction of information, um, Freedom of Information Act, all of that stuff locks down the ability to look at data through the lenses that we can in the US. So the first decision point for us was, well, if the US is where we're going to go, does it enable us to do business based upon data? First answer, yes, it does. Tick that box, move on. Then it was about, okay, well, which market do we go into? And we literally, again, from speaking to a few realtors and, and different people, it was more about, well, if your business model is to be able to do deals 24-7 because you want your business to go all year round, let's throw a line across the middle of the US and go to the southern states. Because when you're covered in snow for half the year, it makes it pretty difficult <laughs> to do a lot of different things. Um, not impossible, just adds another challenge. So we went to the southern states. Then it became about um, disclosure versus non-disclosure states. You know, when you're running things like CMA and comps analysis and things like that, what are the states where the access to information makes things easy? So that whittled it down even more. Texas would love to do deals in Texas, but being a non-disclosure state, it does make it challenging, um, especially for people starting out, but not impossible. So then it became about disclosure states. Then it became about what are the micro markets within those states uh, and where do we look at? So we basically looked at things like top 10 growth path cities. Out of those cities, what are the ones that have really good buyer and seller activity? What are the ones that have good migration rates, um, good employment rates, that have infrastructure that is being invested in? Um, that the, the local bylaws allow you to do certain things in those areas. And Florida just kept coming up time and time again as tick, 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 tick. Why Jacksonville? This is probably going to be the opposite answer to uh, everything I've spoken about so far, but it was a bit of a hunch. We were looking at a few cities and um, my, my partner, Matthew, his nephew is called Jackson. And when we got it down to a couple of cities, there was about half a dozen cities we were looking at. And I said, I don't know something about the name Jacksonville that just kind of rings true. Whether or not it's because Jackson, I don't know. But why don't we just go Jacksonville? And Matt went, "Cool, let's give it a go." So coming back to my my answer before I about decisions, we just made a decision, but then we assessed it as we were going. Okay, is Jacksonville working? What's it giving us? Are we getting deals? And the answer was yes. So we've continued to work in Duval County ever since day one, um, and we're going to continue to forever because we've got a great team there as well. So yeah. It just became about all that stuff. It was taking that funnel, Nick, and getting it down to, all
1: right, let's go. That was another A-game answer right there. You were absolutely crushing it today. Like, I'm <laughs> very impressed. That that's, It's so good. And, you know, it's... These types of podcasts and talking to other people always make me feel good because sometimes I'm in my bubble and I look at the things that I'm giving for answers and the way I'm looking at stuff. And I want to hear other successful people saying, these are the things that I'm doing. And I'm like, oh man, like I'm doing the right thing, but they're saying it's so much better than I ever get. So (laughs) the way you speak, the words you choose, I am sure you've heard this before, but that's probably part of what makes you a great educator educator and coach as well.
2: Yeah. Awesome. Just on that. So I, I don't do education and coaching in the real estate space yet. So for anybody oh. listening, yeah, I, I, my education and coaching is more in, in executive coaching, leadership development, managing teams. I've done some coaching with people that have like real estate teams set up, but I keep getting asked to be a coach in real estate. And honestly, Nick, I don't have time at this point between you and I, but, but there comes a caveat. Here's where I think, you know, you you said at the beginning of this, that all things happen for a reason, right? Out of all the stuff I've been doing with podcasting and my networking and and the the businesses that we're starting, I'm getting more and more a pull into becoming more of an educator or coach or, you know, advisor in the real estate space, particularly doing real estate remotely as well. Um, And interestingly enough, for our marketing business, that's led me to have customers now literally all over the world. Uh, We've got customers in nine countries that are doing real estate in the US, so I seem to naturally be drawn to that. And all I'm going to say to your listeners is watch this space because there's probably something coming about that soon.
1: (laughs) I love that. That's excellent. And, you know, part part of that, what you just said, is I think is another really interesting segue into the fact that so many people go through and they start taking these classes for real estate or for stocks or for whatever it is that they decide at some point we need to make a change in our life and make more time and make more money or do something for our kids and then it leads you down some sort of portal. But whether whether it be real estate, whether it be stocks, whether it be Bitcoin, one of the things I was speaking to Brandon from Bigger Pockets on, and we both were talking about how if there was one thing we wish we could go back and understand sooner in our careers, it would be understanding that real estate is really the vehicle but the things that are really going to help us stay successful long term is understanding how to run a business. and most 100%. of those classes i don't believe really talk about that or really oh. help you understand that and i feel that's why people make money lose money make money lose money because of I'm all getting ways tingles. this is fail. <laughs> yep. Uh, it's Nick, you
2: you've, you've, it's so true. It's so true and that that's that 5% i was coming back to right because A lot of these real estate educators out there, and I know quite a few of them personally because I've been in mastermind groups. I've got my own mastermind group. Some of these real estate educators are actually my customers in our marketing business. So I know it. And I keep saying to them, I love that you teach people how to do a deal, but you need to get better at teaching people how to run a business. really comes back to that book by Michael Gerber, The E-Myth, right? You can be great at doing a deal, but if you don't know how to run a business in what it is that you do, that's challenging. And that's why supercharged offers as well We're really helping people to scale their businesses and understand the mechanics of how like an, you know, an acquisition side to your business works. No matter if you're in, you know, selling mobile phones versus selling real estate versus selling Bitcoin, you need an acquisition system to keep your leads coming. Otherwise, if your pipeline's not full, you don't have a business. And um, so teaching people some of those skills is is something I'm very passionate about because they don't get taught that in, in these education programs. And I think it's a real misgiving of any educator out there. So if any educators are listening, get me in to talk about managing a business and I'll come and be your guest speaker because that's (laughs) something I get so passionate about. Um, And it's the main reason why people fail, apart from the paralysis of analysis as well. The other thing is, okay, I've got a deal and I've got 10 deals in or I've got 50 inquiries in from that marketing, but I don't know how to manage them all and I haven't got the right systems and processes and people and resources set up. So those deals fall through the cracks and then I've spent all this money on training and all this money on getting these deals and nothing happened. And the reason why people have that regurgitated out is because they don't know how to run a business.
1: Yeah, I think two of the key pieces you talked about there is what all the due diligence you did ahead of time most people aren't willing to do. And that's really gonna help you make the decision after decision, after decision. Like you said, you cut it down, yeah, then you cut it down and then you go, okay, we're right about here. Now what's gonna be our catalyst to really push that last one? All right, Jackson, I like the name. So I think the upfront part, not a lot of people are willing to put the work in for the due diligence, which is a lot of the times why they fail. But then I think like you said, is understanding that once you make that decision, you have to measure those decisions and be ready to adjust. And that's another thing I don't hear enough of. Correct. I picked this, then I did this and I did this. And it's like, but those little changes in direction along the way, as you analyze what was working and wasn't working to mm-hmm. me is something I've learned a lot more over the last year or two since the pandemic of like, okay, like this was a good decision. However, like this, this specific thing, maybe text messaging, maybe this model, maybe these certain words I'm using in my scripts, like all those things you have to pay attention to. So for you, on the leadership development and business side, I know you talked about raft B or B raft I think it's changed a couple of times in a couple of different interviews. But I yeah. would love to hear a lot more about that.
2: Yeah, awesome. So, so this really just comes back to all of my years in leadership development and and coaching people on managing teams. You know, I, I, I'm a massive believer that uh, people don't leave jobs, people leave people. Um, now, that's that's not so true when you're an entrepreneur because you know people stick with you for different reasons, and a lot of those are money related. Let's <laughs> let's be honest, but in, in the real world, you know, if you're in a, um, a W2 role or just a plain old job where you're just employed by someone, um, being connected to that person and their business and being given the freedom and space to do your job and do it really, really well, that, that's part of why you stay in a job um, and who you're being led by. So when I do a lot of leadership training and consulting, Nika, I really focus on how we show up as leaders and how we create a space for those people around us to really enable them to do their job and do it really well. And here's one thing: before I get into to the B raft or, or raft B, can kind of go either way. Um, but before I get into that, I think it's important to note that for a lot of us who are entrepreneurs, we often have um, VAs. First and foremost, don't call them VAs. Call them your team. You know, we, ours are our customer service consultants, our data concierge, our project management specialists. They have jobs and they have roles. Um, they're not just our VAs. We don't even use that language. But um, make sure that they are part of your team. They're not just there to perform a function and a role. And make sure that you give them the space, the training, the support, and the freedom to get on and do their job. I think what I see more uh, more and more these days, which is a bit of a cry and shame, is that entrepreneurs go, oh, I'm overwhelmed here. I'll go and find a person to do that for me and fill the gap and fill the space. But then they just see that person as robotic. You know, you're coming in to perform a function, do it. But these people that come in, they're often brilliant. And I think we underestimate what they can actually do if we just give them the space and time to do it. And we also create that environment that shows them that, 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 that they've got space and time to do that as well. Um, hugely important for me. And I can't sort of stress that uh, enough as well. Um, so let me talk about raft. There's a lot that that we can talk about there. I'm actually just going to open it and just go through a few things with you. Um, There we go. So a couple of things, Nick, in there. Um, It's so, when I was playing around with it, so so the B, whether the B is on the front end or the back end, it really doesn't matter, but I decided to put it on the back end and call it Raft B. So first of all, the whole acronym of a raft is when we're all on a raft, like if something happens and we all need to jump ship and get into a raft together, well, that's our safety space. Um, so even if you're getting out of an airplane, right, you get into a raft. <laughs> so it's, it's really came from that principle of creating a safe space for people to be their best. And the B in, its, uh, in all of it is about um, boundaries. You know What are the boundaries that, that we put in place to allow people to really get clarity on their expectations of you know where they can excel, where they can spread their wings and do things, but also things that they can't make decisions on. So to give you an example in my team, For our land business, we've got three full-time customer service people. Um, They know on a day-to-day basis that they can make decisions about negotiation up to a certain point, Uh, getting offers out to my sellers and my buyers and renegotiating, Um, taking and negotiating on seller finance deals and and knowing what numbers that they can work with, making decisions on these five to six things and just running with it because we've given them, them the right training to do that. Outside of that, they know that there's an escalation point where I kick in, but I'm not telling them to come back to me with every single decision point, because if I do that, I may as well just do it myself. So it's setting up an environment to say, hey guys, here's the space that you're working in. Here's the boundaries. Go for it. Anything outside of that, I'm here. Um, And creating that. So where the the raft comes in, so the R, the A, the F, and the T, the, the R really starts with relationships. And for me... People feel like they're part of something when they've got really good relationships in place. And that's just not internally with your business, that's externally. So my customer service team, they talk to my realtor, my title company, my uh, probate attorney. They are in touch with anybody and everybody who is a part of our team. It's not, oh, that's my relationship, I'll, I'll go and do that. I've introduced my team to anybody and everyone because in doing so, the collective good actually lifts people to be better. Um, and we don't restrict people on what they can and can't say. It's like, no, if you've got that relationship with our realtor, pick up the phone and call him. Don't wait for my permission. Just do it. You've got the relationship with our title company. Send them that title that you've just downloaded and ask some questions about it. Go for it. So really, again, not creating this space where they have to ask permission. Just get on and do it and tell me the outcome because that's when you're going to get better results. So it starts with relationship. It leads quite nicely into some stuff that you and I have already spoken about today, and that's accountability. So in our business, I funnily enough, I actually just had a call with my customer service team this morning, and the question, it was a performance discussion call because I check in every now and then about performance and how things are going um, and what we can do to uplift. And one of the questions I ask them is, okay, guys, you know you've all been in this role a couple of years now. I want you to put yourself in my shoes and ask yourself the question if this was my business, what would I be doing differently? And they all sat with that for a minute and they all came back with, well, I'd expect more sales. I'd want us to uh, look for more process improvements around things. I'd want us to make sure that we're delivering on our promises more and, and we're not having to push out, you know, dates around stuff. And I was like, awesome. There's our answer. Go do that. Be accountable <laughs> for that. Uh, and and it's funny that you, that you laugh though, right? But it turned into a very serious conversation about, well, this is your business because what you do at the end of the day impacts me and what I do impacts you. So we all have an a, a element of accountability about what we do and the impact it has on the next person. So if you're putting a deal into our system, you're accountable to make sure that every single thing about that deal is in there so that the next person that touches it or needs to look at it is set up for success. If you don't do that, you haven't been accountable. And that's where performance discussions start. So accountability is about doing what you say you will do. That then leads into the F, which is about feedback. So feedback is purely about on the stuff that we said we're going to do, how do we give each other feedback on what's working and what's not working, but also create an environment, Nick, that that goes both ways. So this is never about me going, guys, you did this well, this wasn't done so well, let's do this better. This is also about them going to me, AJ, this process feels really inefficient. Can we suggest to do X, Y, and Z? Awesome. Yes. As I said to my team today, you guys actually know your jobs better than what I do. So it's up to you to give me feedback on what's working and what's not. So feedback is a two-way street in our business. It's not me giving feedback to you. It's us having a conversation about what's working and not working all the time. And the last one is trust. And trust is the the backbone of everything. If you don't trust your team, they will feel that and they will then second guess everything that they do because they don't want to let you down or lose their job. But that's not an environment where greatness flourishes. An environment where greatness flourishes is that we have this trusting environment where I've got your back and you've got mine. We can say things as they are. We really come into, uh, you know, process improvements and, and team conversations with no judgment and full vulnerability, just like the conversation I had with them this morning to really show up and contribute, um, knowing that if they do have something to say, it's not going to be held against them. So, BRAFT Raft is really a way of leading and creating a culture across my team that allows them to be the best
0: that they can be. Ever wanted to play the drums? Or do you want to get your kids some drum lessons to burn some of that energy while they are all locked up? Take advantage of a free drum lesson with one of the tri-state area's most respected drummers, Dan LaMagna. Dan LaMagna has played in such bands as Crown of Thorns, Suicide City, Biohazard, The Real Mackenzies, Sworn Enemy, The Walls of Jericho. He has played all over the world, and he's also endorsed by such companies as DW, Vader, and Sabian. Dan has taught... Tons of people from all different age groups and all different music styles. You can teach adults, kids, advanced, beginner, any types of styles from metal, all different types of percussion, whatever style you want. Get a free drum lesson today from Dan. All you need to do is text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to 833-632-0585. Again, text the word DRUMMER, D-R-U-M-M-E-R, to the number 833 632 0585 for your free online drum lesson.
1: I am going to re-listen to that multiple times after this <laughs> podcast cuz I think those are interesting things and important things for entrepreneurs and business owners to constantly remind themselves of. Each part of that I think is so important it could be a 2 hour discussions just in each one of those letters. But even me as a business owner, there's things that you had said that I was paying attention to. And then it almost feels like you focus so much on the B, the R that you forget the F or the T. So it's always a constantly evolving thing. And that's a really good guideline. I, I absolutely love that. I think that's excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that.
2: You're welcome, Nick. Thanks for asking. <laughs>
1: uh, that was that was really great info. You gave me goosebumps on a couple of things that I was like, man, there's a couple of things in there that I really need to remember to do better and implement like right now. So yeah. I, I am going to go back and make some immediate implementations and mental notes. Good. Thank you, so much for that. <laughs> you know, And obviously uh, we flew through most of the hour already, which is always so crazy how that happens, but I barely got to touch on your actual real estate side of stuff. So flipping land, I just finished. I, I always point like everybody can see it, but right out my window, we just got nine acres uh, entitled, platted, developed, and Put it on the market to sell. So I love hearing about buying and selling land, especially for the last like six months or so. I've been very heavily looking into tax liens and deeds for vacant land in and around the Florida market. So talk a little bit about your strategy of what you do from Australia, buying and flipping land at a discount and also how you help other people do the same, I I believe through supercharged offers, correct?
2: Yeah, awesome, awesome. So uh, our own land business, just again, the 30,000 foot view, because I know we're running out of time as well. So we buy land off market, just like you did. We we go out to uh, owners of of land that are sitting on, you know, small infill lots all the way up to large acreage. We always make sure that there's an exit strategy for that land, keeping in mind that we are not the buyer. I think too many people look at deals and go, oh, that's not great. You're not the buyer. The buyer's the buyer. So we do anything from infill lots to large acreage. Um, Our actual strategy for this year, though, Nick, we're going after larger acreage. And just like you said, we're going after parcels that we can potentially Subdivide, do some forced depreciation on, and help to you know sell those off um, in in smaller parcels as well for you know really developing areas and stuff too. With our previous land strategy, so with a lot of our infill lots and smaller lots, we've bought and sold them. So so we do buy and hold. We do uh, wholesale. So we'll we'll put it under contract, find a buyer, double close. We also do seller finance on a lot of our deals, which is fantastic for building, you know, cash flow in your business as well. Um, and we do subdivide. One deal that, if I can share it quickly, uh, we closed on a deal. It was, was one of our um, better six-figure deals just last week. We bought the property for $10,000, um, including closing costs two years ago, uh, just over two years ago, actually. It was a wetlands. It's in Florida. But. It was already zoned uh, residential with future zoning for commercial. And we knew that the wetlands could be mitigated by what was happening around it and that there was no protected species on there because we got a um, a survey done. Two years later, just it just came about finding the right buyer. Um, and this is the belief, right? You've got to believe that you can do something with that property and stick with it. Two years later, we found a buyer. We sold it for $199,997. Uh, we didn't do anything to it. And uh, and they're going to mitigate it and develop it because we just needed to find the right person. So, so I guess my learning in that for people, we looked at that deal to begin with and like, nah, it's a wetlands. No one's going to do anything with it. But it was actually dry to walk on in quite a lot of it. So it's just about if you can see the vision for the property, make sure that other people can see that vision too because you just never know what happens. So that's our land business. When it comes to educating and getting other people started in land – I don't do any real estate education to teach them about how to do land deals. So most people come to us, Nick, when they've done some level of basic training and they get what land is or whatever asset class they're doing, what their strategy is that they want to do, and they come to us to help them implement that. So supercharged offers is really about, okay, Nick, you want to go after this target area in you know, um, North Carolina and South Carolina. You've got these counties in mind. You've got these zip codes, these types of properties let us now help you get that engine up and running. Let us do all your your data, your marketing, your mailings, your everything, so that as soon as that phone rings, you can get over your paralysis of analysis and start taking calls and getting deals done. So that's the main focus. We don't teach people how to do the deal, but I certainly hold their hand throughout the process and give them some coaching along the way.
1: Yeah. So it's not just mentoring but it is marketing is what you're helping them do with you. You're taking them and you're helping them implement the business, get some lead generation going, which obviously you can learn all the things that you want in your life, but if there's no deals coming in, there really isn't anything anyway. So correct. I love that part because especially at a time in the market that we're at right now, so many people that blows me away, but on a daily basis, I still talk to people that are real estate professionals and they have no idea how to get deals other than through a realtor or broker that they bought a house from 10 years ago, and they only know how to go on the MLS. So for some of those real estate investing strategies, like like let's say, so for me, I'm looking to break into a new market. Do you help do that marketing across the whole country? Is there only specific asset classes or do you guys have kind of a cover all across the country?
2: We have a cover all. So we basically, our data business that we have Nick, which is kind of a a to supercharged offers. We have our own data warehouse in the cloud that has more than 165 million property records in it. So that's every property across the US all of your owner attributes. We've got more than 70 million business um, related information in there. And the reason why we have businesses is we've got some of our customers that are doing mobile homes, uh, mobile home parks, sorry, self-storage, uh, multifamily, um, retail strips, you know, they, they can do it all. Any asset class, as long as there's data for that asset class, well, we can run a campaign. Uh, so we do everything from that whole end-to-end process of, as I said, the data, direct mail, Coming back to what your thing that you said there, which I think is really important. So a lot of realtors are like, well, I don't know how to get deals unless I'm using the MLS. There's so many ways that you can get deals these days. There is direct mail and direct mail still does work. Whilst we still use direct mail, it's important to realize that marketing is about creating a customer experience that your customer, i.e. your seller, can do business with you in any way they choose. And we need to pause and realize now that our sellers, uh, anywhere from people in their 80s and 90s, our youngest seller was someone who was 19. He was at college. He inherited property, didn't even know it existed, uh, and uh, and he inherited it. And we did everything virtually with him. So we need to create this space where if someone wants to respond to direct mail, click on a Facebook ad, click on a Google ad, respond to an SMS, um, find you on Facebook, you know, find your website. Uh, find you through a USPS informed delivery, a whole range of things that we do to put you in front of your ideal customer. They choose how they want to do business with you. And we're just creating that space that they can do that in any way possible.
1: That's outstanding. And then once that phone starts ringing and those offers start coming in, do you guys help supply the customer service people to pick up those calls? We do not. Yeah,
2: we we do not. And the reason we don't is because everybody has their own strategy and their way of doing business. So depending if they're doing blind offers, a neutral letter, a postcard, an SMS, there's different ways in that those calls need to be answered. But what I I do is for our customers, um, like part of my consultation in building out their acquisition system is I look at what's your call script? So who's taking your calls? Show me your call script. Let me do an overhaul of that with you. Um, let me give some input into what's going to work best. So we actually set up everything so that when that phone does start ringing or the messages start coming in, they kind of know where to take it from there. Um, but, but depending upon what they're doing and the volume, you know, we've got a lot of customers that still take the calls themselves. And so I said, you know, I've been there and done that. I was the one that took our calls in our business to begin with. Here's also my my number one rule never outsource anything to anyone unless you're prepared to do it yourself. (laughs) So, you know, when we started, Nick, I was the one taking calls. I was the one talking to sellers and buyers and that enabled me to get my scripting right. So for anybody starting out, if they come to us and they're like, I'm just going to outsource that. I'm like, no, do it yourself. First of all, so you can build your own confidence to know what you're doing and competence. Then when you've got it nailed in and, and dialed in, then look to get someone to help you, but don't just outsource it without, can I be so crass as to say without kind of, you know, strapping on, we, 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 in Australia, we get pretty crassy, but it's like, you know, strap on your balls, people, and go and give it a go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I agree. And I, I have people on that said the opposite, and I'm a huge believer in that, because how do I know? what I'm looking at and if somebody's doing anything right Right. or wrong or helping them through some of the things that they might be going through if I haven't experienced that myself. Correct.
2: Yeah. How do you measure success unless you know what good looks like?
1: I love that. That's going to be the core I pull from this right now. That That was amazing. As always, we're very much on the same page. And I don't want to take up too much of your day. I know you probably have tons of calls and stuff, but landscouts.com, global, global citizens HQ, supercharged offers. What other kind of businesses and stuff do you have? Do you want to I want to give you a chance to talk about all the things uh, you want that, involved that's in That's pretty all much ways all of them. Find in, you.
2: Yeah, in terms of online, so SuperchargedOffers.com. We've got sell.landscouts.com, which is our acquisition business for land. We've got um for sale.landscouts.com, which is our disposition site uh we have globalcitizenshq.com that's pretty much our our overarching company where we've got a lot of investors um involved in our business now as well nick which is great so you can reach us on any of those or if i can um give people the, the direct phone number for supercharged and for me um so they can if you've got any questions about running a marketing campaign getting your business growth happening um understanding what your acquisitions part of your business needs to look like then give us a call. We're on 888-538-5478. Or they can just email me direct, Nick. So it's uh, Alicia, which is spelled A-L-I-C-I-A, because no one ever gets that right, <laughs> at uh, superchargedoffers, one word, dot uh, com. So happy to jump on a call with anybody and talk about their business and see where they're at and how we can help.
1: I think there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are looking to scale up or take some of their stuff off of their plate that you can definitely help with that you just talked about. So I am sure you're going to get some calls off of that. Social media and stuff. Is there a way people can connect with you and your businesses?
2: Sure. They can jump on to supercharged offers on Facebook. They can also look me up. So alicia.jarrett on Facebook. Um, I'm on there. So it's my personal profile, but I pretty much use it for everything to do with business these days. And uh, we've got Landscouts.com as well uh, and a Facebook page for that too. So uh, mainly Facebook and mainly websites because that's where majority of people live these days. <laughs> we've also got loads of stuff on LinkedIn, but I know that LinkedIn's not most people's preference. So Facebook, find me on there.
1: I think it's, I think that's how we connected actually is on LinkedIn. So that's always yeah, awesome. The way find that's yeah.
2: right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. So obviously anybody listening to this, when you go, if you look at the show notes, I'll have all the links to all the ways to find you and all your businesses and a couple of quick things before I let you go. I like to call this the victory lap and just get a couple of quick questions in there. One of them being, do you have a favorite quote?
2: Oh, I think it's, um. I've got lots of favorite quotes, but uh, we've got one in our business that Matt and I say all the time, and this is for the paralysis of analysis people too, done is better than not done. So don't aim for perfection. Just done is better than not done. Think about that, folks. (laughs)
1: Love that. Is there a book you recommend?
2: Oh, there's lots. Uh, I think one of the ones that probably speaks to some of the stuff that we've spoken about today, Nick, is The E-Myth by Michael Gerber. It's an oldie, but a goodie. And that really talks about if you're good at something, running a business in what you're good at is a whole different way of thinking. And so that really unpacks how to be the entrepreneur, how to look at running a business in the stuff that you want to do, not just do the stuff that you want to do. Uh, and so that would be a great one for people to read.
1: Outstanding suggestion. You being somebody that has a partner that you work with, that you've worked with for a long time, and somebody that you dragged to your initial three-day class they uh, had <laughs> a healthy level of skepticism, as there should be some, I talk to so many people that have very unsupportive supportive spouses or business partners, and they can't move forward on whatever they is because of that. So for somebody in that position, being that you did not have that option, what is some advice you would give to somebody that has an unsupportive spouse or business partner that wants to pursue their business dreams?
2: Yeah, involve them. Um, because here's the thing, if, if you put yourself in the shoes of your spouse, they're only hearing and seeing this much of what it is that you do. This much being like, you know, maybe at the end of the day, you might wrap up the day and say, hey, honey, I had a couple of calls today, you know, a few deals fell through, but I got one over the line. So your spouse is hearing that going, well, that doesn't sound very good. Um, So involve your spouse more, you know, get them involved, get them involved in decision making, get them involved in what it is you're doing, but create some dedicated space where you can show them because they're only hearing that much and yet you're doing this much so I would just say involve them in things more so that they can see and hear things for real rather than just the snippets.
1: Alicia Jarrett, you have been absolutely outstanding. I really enjoy talking to you and connecting with you. I definitely want to set up some time to discuss how you can help my business get supercharged and get some more offers coming in. Any final thoughts before I let you go?
2: Uh, Nick, uh, thank you so much for having me on. I, I, I hope I haven't come across too heavy-handed today. But <laughs> that's the, the Aussie in me. We get very, very uh, excited about stuff. But... I just want to thank you for the opportunity to speak to you and your audience. And for anybody out there, I guess my, my final piece of advice is don't give up. Um, You will as an entrepreneur or even just a real estate investor, you will hit periods in your business where you think this is not working, how you push through those and come to the other end of it is the
1: difference. Um, So don't give up folks. I absolutely love that. And shout out to my buddy, ally Aquinta, who fought in Melbourne and fought in Sydney. And I know he loves Australia. So every time I hear that, I think about him as well. So I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for bringing your A-game to this interview. Thanks, Nick.